This is the Brick and Mortar Reborn Podcast. This podcast is designed to help you give a pulse on the fast-changing world of brick and mortar. As the world reopens and operators race to meet the rising expectations and demands of experience-driven post-COVID consumers, it's more important than ever to stay ahead of the curve and understand the trends and technologies that will shape the future. In each episode, I'll interview successful operators, subject matter experts, and leading thought leaders who will share their insights to help you prepare yourself and your organization for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Bobby Mahomet, CEO of Radiant. Now let's get into today's show. Right before the pandemic burst in 2020, in an interview with Eric Schumberger, Richard Branson said neither investors nor customers came first for Virgin. At the time of the interview, the Virgin Group had reported $21 billion in revenue. Something about the recipe seems to be working. It's not focused exclusively on the products, the technologies, the capital, or even the customer experience. It's an employee-centered culture with a true employee well-being advocacy that comes from the very top. When you have a highly engaged workforce behind your business, research shows you increase chances of outperforming your competitors and drive satisfaction higher. But here comes the problem. Workers are not engaged enough. Whether the great resignation is a buzzword or not, numbers speak for themselves. People are quitting their jobs, they're changing roles, and they're doing it on an unprecedented trend, hitting a new record in November with no signs of slowing down. Can we provide a memorable customer experience without an equally outstanding employee experience? What can we do to engage workers in a disengaged world? I don't usually make intros on the show, but wanted to make a special one to receive our guest today. I'm here with Mikas Bambri, SVP, Sales and CX at Customer, and Devin Michael, Director of Product Marketing at TalkDesk, who have come to discuss the challenges of managing and engaging our workforce in 2022, and maybe together rethink the employee experience a little more. Welcome, Devin and Mikas. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having us, Bobby. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Mikas, why don't we start with you? Give us a quick intro of what you do at uh, Customer, and uh, also tell us about Customer. Sure, absolutely. So I am the SVP of sales and CX. So what does that mean? I'm responsible for sales, which is pretty self-explanatory, and our customer experience, which includes professional services, customer success, and global support. Customer, for those of you who may not have come across us, is a platform designed specifically for CRM for customer service. So allowing the world's greatest brands that are dealing with their consumers in the most effective manner to deliver the optimal customer experience. Awesome. Thank you, Vigas. And Devin? Yeah, so I'm a director of product marketing uh, here at TalkDesk, and I cover our workforce engagement management suite of products, as well as a few other areas of product marketing and go-to-market strategy. So in that capacity, I'm really tapped into the subject at hand today, Bobby, and really excited to have this discussion. And for those of you who aren't familiar with TalkDesk, we provide an end-to-end contact center as a service platform um, that's really designed to help organizations around the world unlock the promise and potential of great customer experiences. So we offer a complete suite of tools for agents, for managers, for analysts to really get the most out of the customer experience and turn the contact center really into an asset to help grow the business rather than a cost center like it's often traditionally thought of. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you both for joining. And and I know it's going to be a great discussion. Both of you have a lot of experience in the quote-unquote employee experience side of things. 
and excited to kind of dive in and, and see what we can what we can learn and what we can share with our listeners here. Look okay. forward to it. So to get absolutely, absolutely. So to get started, one of the things that we you'll hear about a lot today is people leaving roles is because of lack of recognition and not feeling super connected to the organizations that they that they work for and work with. So as, as we go through this set of questions and, and kind of learn more about the what, what each of you think as, as far as what goes into the employee experience, if you can share your point of view, but also you know, some thoughts on how the employee experience can be improved within the different organizations. To start, I mean, what we really want to talk about is workforce engagement. That's, that's the first part of this segment. And one of the things that we've been spending a lot of time on is we, we just recently did a state of deathless report, which talks about the deathless workers and how connected or not connected they are to the organizations. And 41% of deathless workers report to be highly engaged in their work. It means one out of you know, three folks really are not, not as engaged. And this aligns with really the national data on, on engagement and how, how connected people feel. Why, and, and because why don't we start with you on this one, uh, why do you think it's become more difficult for companies to build and sustain a highly engaged workforce? Well, I, I think the first thing is you kind of mentioned the dissatisfaction amount amongst deskless employees, right? I think so much of our communication mechanisms these days are driven through technology. And the way we communicate, put the pandemic aside for a moment, is driven through emails, Slack messages, or Microsoft meeting teams, or whatever mechanism you have to deliver and try to foster this culture of uh, engagement. Now, if I'm not tethered to a desk or a laptop all day, how else are you delivering this to me? So I, I think that's one of the things where technology has almost created an obstacle to creating this engagement where sometimes it's seen as kind of the silver bullet. So from my perspective, that's one of the things, particularly when you're talking about deskless employees, to consider is how are you fostering that engagement? And then, of course, we could talk about those that are your kind of knowledge workers and what you're doing from that you know perspective as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Very, very intriguing perspective. Devin, are you, are you kind of in the same school of thought? Yeah, absolutely. Because, and this is great timing for this conversation. We actually wrapped up a, a recent survey as well, where you know, we did about 650 global interviews of people in the CX space, anywhere from contact center agents to leaders. And I definitely think that, um, that, that you make a good point there, Vikas, that this deskless concept is playing a role. And we're seeing that sort of in the plans that CX leaders are making for the future of their workforce and sort of whether they're going to be on-premise, hybrid, remote. And, and what we found out in our survey, actually, is that while 63% of these leaders talk about planning to support a hybrid workforce long-term, only 4% said that they would they would support a fully, permanently remote workforce long-term. So I do think that a lot of those challenges that Vikas mentioned relate to deskless work, the communication channels, a lot of the challenges that we lose from just losing these uh, these in-person social interactions as well. And in particular, in, in the contact center space, I think it does go beyond that to a certain... The contact center industry, as I mentioned briefly in our, in our introduction, still sort of overall has, has a bit of a legacy mindset about talent in general. And a lot of organizations, the role of the contact center agent, it just isn't appreciated at the level that research shows that it... And so 
in situations where employees don't feel appreciated and there's a high degree of turnover, engagement is low, it's, it's really difficult to improve those metrics, right? A lot of contact centers still have that legacy point of view where agents are seen as a resource that needs to be optimized, right? The staffing and scheduling policies are inflexible. There's little in the way of gamification, of recognition, and not a ton of opportunities for advancement either. And that's not even to mention that historically the technology that these agents have had to use day to day hasn't really done them any favors in terms of usability. Um, They've really lacked the tools and data that they need to consistently provide great customer experiences. And so it's hard to be engaged at work and feel like you're having a good experience as an employee when you're not really being set up to succeed in a lot of cases. So I don't want to paint this picture of doom and gloom. That is a legacy point of view. And there's a lot of organizations out there that think differently on this topic. And I think that's why, uh, you know, this subject is so important today. But that is still quite prevalent in the contact center world out there. And then beyond that, even for organizations that have sort of seen the light and are thinking differently about their talent, the overall macro environment in the last two years just hasn't made it easy for them to take the steps needed to cultivate higher levels of engagement. We've kind of had this perfect storm with the pandemic and a shift to doing business digitally that in a lot of cases used to be done in person, visiting bank branches, going to grocery stores versus dealing with delivery apps and things like that. I mean, that's caused a surge in customer contact volume. It's it's caused the complexity of the problems that agents are solving to increase. And as a result, contact centers are struggling to attract and retain the talent they needed to meet that demand while juggling this world of hybrid and remote that requires new technology to facilitate communication and, and to really do a lot of the activities that help drive engagement and help tr- empower agents to succeed over time. So sorry for the long verbose answer there, Bobby, but uh, this is definitely a subject I'm passionate about. Bobby, can I just jump in for a moment? I, I think Devin brought up an interesting Absolutely. point, which is I think we're at like the perfect storm of three things happening. One is these legacy concepts, almost these antiquated concepts that we've brought forward from the industrial age, the five-day work week, the 40-hour work week as kind of a legacy concept. The second is we've gone to this world of virtual remote working. And then the third is the kind of the intersection of bring your own device or what Mm -hmm. I call the distraction economy. Bringing these three things together, I think, has created this perfect storm of how we're really thinking about not only employee engagement, but frankly, employee management. And Mm -hmm. then that in itself, how you do those two things will ultimately result in the overall satisfaction of your work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's so much, uh, it's interesting, right? Because before we went to, and companies, of course, there were companies that were hybrid and remote before the pandemic. So this is, it just got accelerated, I think, during the pandemic days. But you think about things and you think about engagement kind of in an office environment, and then you think about engagement now with trying to support these different, different types of of work, if you will, and it becomes even more harder, right, uh, to stay to create that connection because of all the things that both of you have said. But on top of that, I feel there's a level of confusion that's happening in, in, in employees' brains in the sense of <laughs> what is what is how do I feel connected? What's what's kind of the what's happening in the industry? What are the macro trends? How is that all coming together? And how is my organization reacting to those things? So I think uh, there's there's a bunch of confusion being being created these days as well with with kind of the macro environment. 
that hopefully kind of over over the next few months or or in this year, we, we put together in a more cohesive way for, for employees to feel like they, A, are, are more connected, but also from a standpoint of being able to create that productive environment that's also healthy for for the employees to want to engage back with, with, the, with the companies. Another thing that we want to kind of talk through is staff shortages. One is how do we how do we keep our, our teams kind of intact and have have them engage with or with our companies? But as we go through this, one of the things that's you know really happening is disengagement at work, which also is affecting customer relationships. What I'm curious to know, and Devin, we'll start with you on this one. What strategies are companies like Talkdesk deploying to cope with staff reduction in terms of workforce engagement that are also to a certain extent client based? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'll focus sort of more on the types of issues that our customers are experiencing, particularly in contact centers and customer experience operations versus talk to specifically. But you know, this is definitely true. It's true across the board. And I was just reading a Wall Street Journal, Journal article the other day, actually, that was talking a little bit about this. And there was an interesting stat there that the average number of job openings in contact centers and customer service operations in February of last year was double that of the year prior. And that in November of last year, it was at 5x of the February 2020 baseline. So there is clearly a huge, huge staffing shortage right now. There's a lot of demand for talent in these operations in particular. And it's not only turnover driven, since it's also driven by that surge in customer demand that we talked about. But those, de- those numbers definitely illustrate the problem that you know, many organizations are grappling with to even be able to provide the support that their customers need on any sort of reasonable time. In terms of solutions, I think the smartest organizations are sort of tackling this from two sides. On one hand, they are investing in new technology that helps them triage that customer demand, right? It, it helps them enable their teams to accomplish more with less people. So for example, that could include digital channels. It could include self-service programs for customers to solve some of their simpler problems themselves. There's technology being deployed at an increasing rate around AI and virtual agents that are more effective than traditional chat. And there's even agent assistants that use AI that help agents solve problems faster, that help them access sort of repeatable information very quickly and provide consistency in their responses. So these are all things that companies are increasingly adding to their repertoire to help address this convergence of a talent shortage and an increase in demand. They really can't replace human agents with this technology for the most part, but they can reduce some of that stress and triage the customer inquiries and help agents do their jobs more effectively. So getting more from less. And then on the other hand, organizations are also recognizing that their agents are extremely valuable contributors to the customer experience. They can't just go and automate away all of this stuff, right? So they're realizing that they have to raise pay, that they have to improve the employee experience to attract and retain talent. And so you're seeing that, and there were some great examples in that same Wall Street Journal article, Bobby, that cited a number of companies like T-Mobile and USAA raising agent base salaries up to 15, 20%. Companies like Alorica, which is a major outsourcer of customer service operations and a talk desk partner, not only raising salaries, but also getting, getting kind of creative in the way that they try to attract talent. I was reading that Alorica employed a TikTok employment influencer to help them attract younger talent. So The staffing shortage is real and companies are getting creative in terms of how they're approaching these things, streamlining, onboarding to to really deal with the situation at hand from a macro. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, what are your views? 
I think Devin touched on technology as a leading contributor to making the workforce more efficient and using it as a tool to address some of the shortages. I think the the other side of it is the human element. And in terms of how companies are thinking about every or rethinking everything about hiring practices in terms of even the interview process, making that as streamlined as possible to the benefit of the candidate, less about the, the employer, but more about making sure the employee or the candidate understands the value that this particular job opportunity is going to bring into their career path and their future successes. So rethinking the the interview process, the hiring process, the onboarding, there's a greater emphasis now by employers to make sure that their frontline managers are well-trained and so coaching and guidance on everything from how to conduct one-on-ones to career assessments to career pathing which are all things that will not only help create the brand of the employer uh, to future employees, but obviously retain the talent that they've already brought in-house. Absolutely. One of the things that I've, I've noticed and realized in, in, in interviewing different folks coming into the company is one of the questions that I like to ask uh, is what, what's, what's super important for you as you join a new organization and I'll tell you uh, the common theme over the last like six, six to nine months has been really, I want to know how my work influences the, the greater sense of what, how I actually influence, you know, the work of the company itself. And so I, I think more than ever, one of, one of the things that also is, is kind of driving disengagement is in some companies is, you know, folks not realizing how they influence, you know, the, the, the greater vision strategies of the company, how they, how, how their work actually means something, if you will, quote unquote. And, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of employees in different companies want as well as a part of really feeling engaged and feeling connected to the brands that they work with. Uh, so I love both your answers. And I think in addition to that, it's, it's really, how do I, how do I, how do we set up these, these team members for success as they come into companies, actually realizing how, how their work actually affects the, the greater good of the company. And that's why the role of leadership is changing in terms of the expectations that people have of their leaders. And, It's interesting, even for very large legacy brands and companies, you're seeing how a change in leadership can not only have an impact on the employee brand, but ultimately the bottom line and the share price, right? Mm -hmm. So just kind of that change in leadership and mentality, the impact it has on culture, which is, is sometimes a term is particularly in tech that we use quite often. I think these are all really important things. So how do you do your OKRs, right? Or V2 moms or whatever terminology you're using to really set up your goals from the top down. So every employee feels, as you said, Bobby, how am I tied? How is my contribution tied to the end results that this business is doing on a quarterly, annual, North Star kind of basis? And I I think those are the things that really drive this employee engagement that we all look for. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. Absolutely. One of the things that, that none of us really like to like to think about is really turnover, especially nowadays. And as we kind of think about turnover happening in companies, uh, we actually recently ran a, ran a survey uh, and 39% of the survey respondents said they're seeing more coworker turnover than ever before. Again, part of this is the tied into the, the, the whole great resignation, if you will. So it's tied to people just making you know different decisions towards the end of the year as they go into different career paths and companies, if you will. 
But what, what perspective-wise, what are the ripple effects of, of high turnover rate within a company in each of your views? So let's start with because this time, just to kind of have each of you kind of go first, if you will. Sure. So one you already touched on is the morale implications. And the interesting thing is in the past, when people left companies, the the blast radius of that was pretty limited, sometimes just down to the team or maybe the individual But now with what I call the social tools, and I put LinkedIn in that category, is now when folks leave, there's generally some sort of broadcast message as to an explanation about their why they're leaving, a celebration of what their their new employment is. And now the impact is felt much more broadly across that enterprise, right? It's not just that team that knows that individual has left. But really, the entire company, the partner base, the customer base. So a lot more folks are aware of anybody leaving. So there's a a morale impact. The second is when an individual leaves is that loss of IP, right? So the the background, the intelligence, the information that this individual held often has implications in the business. And then the third is the replacement cost. How long does it now take us, depending on the role, to go out into a very competitive market and try to fill that individual's position? So I think those are kind of three key things where, you know, any individual leaving a company has a profound impact. And that's why, as I mentioned before, there's such an awareness within organizations of, yes, this great resignation is here or it's coming. Well, what are we doing to counter it with the great retention mm-hmm. yeah and any any perspective because around that's, that's very interesting any perspective around getting ahead of any sort of any sort of like morale hits if you will you know i think from the standpoint of when individuals leave there's a few things there are always leading indicators for any manager whether it's because your performance managing somebody or if you're doing these correctly in your one-on-ones that people are talking about their career objectives and their goals and whether your company can actually deliver them or not. So if somebody sitting there is, let's say, a senior you know, engineer and they're talking about how their goal is to become an architect and you simply don't have those roles available in your company, if you're an aware manager, you should know that at some point this is going to come to a head. If we cannot offer this individual a role, this person is going to go find it in market. So getting ahead of it and then making sure that you're either addressing it in some form or fashion with your, with your people operations team, or you're starting to staff up. So in the, and this is always a challenge because you're dealing with finance people who are saying, wait a minute, you've got that headcount filled. Why do you want to go out there and recruit? So really having that partnership to say, look, I understand, but I have to protect the business that this individual may leave and we're, we're kind of hiring ahead of the curve, right? That's a, a concept that not a lot of people were doing in the past, but now more than ever, you need to be hiring ahead of the curve for these unforeseen circumstances so that when you do bring, when this person does leave, you've already filled the role or you've got a, you know, a pipeline where the team is not going to feel the impact of it. And then being more candid with your team As to the individual leaving, I think in the past when people left, I know I've worked at companies that had a policy if an individual left was, 
we're not going to say anything, right? There's going to be no messaging around it. And the way that people would find out about the person leaving is they tried to send them an email and they'd get a bounce back or they try to try to find them in the corporate directory and they were gone. <laughs> I think now companies are much more proactive with making sure not only that individual team knows, but anybody who engaged with them from other departments, customers, et cetera, were aware that this individual had moved on so that they can also message as to what is being done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it makes those employees feel better too, because you kind of celebrate them. So they feel more connected even after they leave the company, which, which I think is is super important. Absolutely. Devin, what what is your perspective? Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with, with Vika's perspective and he did a great job sort of covering most of the things that I would want to talk about as it relates to this topic, but just to zoom in a little bit and, and give that context and our point of view and the point of view of customer service agents that, that we're so often exposed to at TalkDesk. And this, this aligns a lot with what you said, Vikas, but there was some interesting research put out there by McKinsey. It surveyed about 320 contact center agents and looked at the, the sort of factors that influence retention Right. And beyond the obvious one, which is wages and job security, promotion opportunities was number two. So that that really ties nicely to that point, because you made you need to have avenues for career advancement and you need to really understand people's expectations around those. And that applies to any role from anywhere from working in tech and sort of blue collar office jobs to contact center agents. The same is true. Tying back to some of your points, Bobby, the third highest influencer of retention in the research was actually nature and mission. So it's really, really important to ensure that people really understand what they're contributing to. And I think that's part of sort of this battle for talent that we're seeing in contact centers and customer service operations right now um, is that companies that aren't investing in a strong customer experience brand and really making that a priority are having trouble attracting agents and keeping agents because they don't want to be a part of something that doesn't value the work that they do. And the fourth reason here in in sort of their their running list of these relative factors was friends and community. And so again, that, that sort of highlights the macro environment we're in where a lot of people that may not be working remotely are working remotely, and it makes it more challenging to keep people engaged. If they aren't getting those social interactions They aren't regularly getting face-to-face with their managers and their peers. It can be really hard to keep morale up, and people will tend to leave environments like that. And McKinsey in that same research actually found that the more frequent social interaction that happens between peers on teams within contact centers, the more likely those contact centers are to have higher, a stronger retention numbers. And so I I think that highlights some of the key drivers around turnover and some of the key things that organizations can lean into. And they absolutely should be doing that. It's a huge, huge cost. Anytime you turn somebody over, you, I mean, it not only impacts recruiting and, and hiring costs, but also just that lost productivity. And then talking about sort of these ripple effects, right? It reduces morale. It hurts the employment brand. It hurts the company brand as as these things are published in the way that Vikas mentioned. But it also puts a lot of stress on the rest of the team, right? There's sort of that, that need to pick up the slack. And so, again, in that customer service environment, that can lead to increased wait times, to lower quality of service for customers, 
which in turn can create even more stressful and unpleasant experiences for agents. So there's kind of this spiral and catch 22 that can make things worse and worse for the people remaining and drive even further turnover. And so I think a lot of a lot of companies are reacting to this right now and are sort of feeling this pain right now and are acting to address turnover induced burnout and morale. So they're increasing the amount of daily break time that agents receive. They're increasing the number of professional counseling sessions made available to them. They're doing more to sort of put high performing agents into positions of greater responsibility and set them up for promotions into supervisor roles, team lead roles, and giving them that career advancement that some of them crave. And so I think investing in some of these things are going to be a short-term cost increase for companies, but as they do go down that path, they'll see huge benefits to productivity, to retention, and that reduction of turnover is going to have serious ROI. So I think it's absolute companies absolutely need to be leaning in here and doing what they can to address these turnover. I'm surprised that manager or supervisor wasn't higher on that list because we hear so many times that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. Mm-hmm. So I, I found it interesting that that wasn't number one or, or two on that on that survey. The other thing that we're doing in our contact center is we're giving folks an opportunity to do projects beyond just responding to mm-hmm. customer inquiries. And I think that is, it not only creates that career pathing element, it allows people to leverage other skills and talents. So whether it's creating knowledge base articles, working mm-hmm. on the operations, working on technical projects, but things outside of just being in a queue and answering customer inquiries 24-7, I think there's a real opportunity in the contact center to use those individuals that have tremendous intelligence about your operations, your customers, and using them in other parts of the business to kind of break up the day and their responsibility. Because so much of what our contact center teams look at is customers complaining and then having a challenge in some area. So if you can even break up that day where I'm not hearing that 24-7, that in itself has a huge impact on just how their morale goes from a day-to-day standpoint. No, I couldn't agree more. And it, it, it helps make the job feel more strategic, more holistic. It gives them that variety that everyone, I think, craves. One interesting thing that we've started to see some of our customers adopt is, is actually a new solution that we put out last year called AI Trainer. And so as companies start to adopt these, these forms of automation like virtual agents and agent assistants, they constantly need to be trained and updated so that the AI can recognize intents and actually solve the problems effectively. So that typically would require a data scientist or somebody with sort of deeper training to do. We've gone in and productized that, gamified it, and, and made it something that agents can actually spend some of their day do training these intents because they have that customer expertise. They have the knowledge of the product and the policies. Um, and so it really gives them an opportunity to do something cutting edge that represents a new skill for them. And the customers that have adopted that have really been seeing some great engagement. Very cool. Yeah, one of the one of the things that a lot in, in these in these talks is also employee recognition and making sure so the appropriate amount of employee recognition is happening, especially given that organizations are adopting hybrid, remote, you know, in office, depending on the organization type of type of work environments, if you will. Recognition working beyond kind of not being in the office, if you will, or if you're in a hybrid or environment that becomes even even more important. 
And as we think about and talk about the different employees and how they feel with the recognition they're getting in companies, again, we did a recent survey, approximately 21% of, of, of employees say that they get the appropriate amount of recognition, they feel connected uh, to their environment and to their companies, but the rest don't. And so as we think about that, that also leads to some disengagement. And in the face of the great resignation, you want to balance giving giving folks more responsibilities because I love how you said how some of the some of the agents you know, are given projects that they work on, et cetera, to be able to have more responsibilities to prove their capabilities and, and maybe lead them to either going into different different positions down the line or to at least lead them to prevent burnout and overwork, if you will. But how do each of you feel about recognition and how it plays a role and in, in, in how companies should manage? Uh, their workforces, their their teams, their their employees. It's a really delicate conversation because you can almost over-index it to the point where it waters it down and people don't even appreciate when they're being recognized. And of course, the, the complete opposite is you just don't do it often enough. So for me personally, it, it's a constant uh, battle to make sure I'm doing enough of it, but not so much where when people are recognized, they're like, so what? You, you, you recognized mm-hmm. 50 other people. I, I, so a so couple of things yeah. that we've done there is, uh, one, we do have a, a town hall biweekly. And I think that's a real opportunity because what I find with Slack as an example, and I hate to pick on Slack, but I, I think it's a tool that so many companies use, is when you acknowledge people in Slack, it seems to get watered down because it does give people an opportunity to chime in and cheer that individual on. But maybe uh, it was a day where a lot of people are out of the office or another team had a a hackathon or something. And so nobody was really paying attention to Slack that day. And that person didn't get the necessary recognition. So that's one avenue that we use. The other is these town halls. And there's a real opportunity there, particularly with our contact center where we announce kind of a, a CX obsessed story and we actually talk about something where somebody's gone above and beyond to respond to a customer inquiry. And that has had really positive impact, not only from obviously our contact center team, but also the other teams to see the impact that perhaps something that product has built or something that's being used more broadly within our customer base. So that's something that's really helped us is using these town hall formats where people are online in an engaged live audience and can get that real-time pat on the back from their peers has a, a much bigger implication than, of course, just posting something in Slack. So that's one example. No, I feel the same way. I think there's there's a fine line between a good culture of recognition and sort of a culture of like almost toxic positivity, right? The, the recognition has to be meaningful. It can't just be everyone's recognizing each other all the time because it's an easy thing to do and we just want everyone to feel happy. It kind of gets watered down, as Vikas mentioned. So I do think sort of having that open-ended forum for giving recognition is important. It's something I've seen work really well at TalkDesk. We often start our team calls with just sort of open-ended shout-outs where people can give unplanned recognition. That's at the team level, the department level, even at the company all-hands level, uh, where people are able to recognize each other, which I think means a lot too. So it's not always coming from leadership, but coming from one another and saying, we're really in this together. We're collaborating. We made a difference. And I want to recognize your contribution to that. I think that's big. The, The other piece of it is I think 
recognition goes beyond sort of uh, the spoken word or putting something in Slack or even speaking up on, on a large forum like that. You want to see it play out in terms of tangible benefits, right, in some way. And I don't mean like gift cards or rewards like that, but actually seeing that recognition is meaningful. It's tied to the way that performance is obsessed and people that are getting recognized and doing work that deserves recognition are getting rewarded in terms of greater responsibility and an upward trajectory in their careers as well. So I think that's absolutely critical is kind of like organizations need to put the money where their mouths are to a certain degree when it comes to recognition and recognize people in ways that go beyond spoken recognition. In terms of contact centers, I think it's an it's an interesting balance because one of the things that traditionally contact centers have struggled to do is really understand at scale and holistically who is deserving of recognition, pulling out some of those moments that matter that Vikas uh, recommended. That can be difficult without the right technology. So I think in order to remove bias and sort of get rid of the idea that some team leads and supervisors are just more prone to recognition than others, I think larger contact centers really do need to take a technology-driven approach, an analytics-driven approach to this, and, and sort of formalize some of these programs to, to really understand who the top performers are, what's going to happen as milestones uh, are achieved, and, and, and make those things public so that newer agents or those that aren't performing as well can sort of see the results and have something to aspire to. So the ability to really measure effectively who deserves recognition or to mine interactions at scale and understand when there was really a, a difference-making moment that happens that deserves recognition are key capabilities, I think, in the modern contact center that wants to do recognition right and really have it impact engagement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I love I love that we're, we're talking about kind of people recognizing other folks within, because it's not just supervisors and managers now calling people out. I think uh, it goes a long way when you have kind of peers that call call out different things that they've seen in their organization that have been great. They want to call out their different peers. They want to call out different different people exemplifying the company values, et cetera. I think that goes definitely goes a long way. And I think that's, that's super important is, as, as, as I talk to a bunch of companies, it's a balance of metrics-based recognition and also kind of, I'll call it that emotional side, or you, you pick up people exemplifying different sorts of values, if you will. I think that balance is super important nowadays because to a large degree, especially kind of in the startup world, if you will, a large portion of recognition used to be really metrics-based. Kind of making sure that everyone across the different de- uh, departments and environments and different teams feels that they're getting recognized for their contributions to, to the company and to the team, I, I think, again, is another, another area where people can differentiate by making sure that that balance exists within their organizations. One of the things that we want to talk about is future trends. If we if we could look into into our crystal balls, if you will, what are what are some of the the trend changes that we're going to see really have a future impact on workforce management? Devin, you want to start us out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I mean there's there's a lot, but I think if I had to pick one, it's just the amount of data that we now have access to and the ability to use AI and technology to analyze unstructured data in ways that were not possible or extremely expensive in the past. Some of, some of these excellent applications of AI in customer service environments can make a huge difference to workforce management strategies and improving engagement. So the fact that we now have the ability to not only record 100% of interactions you know, across channels, but we can also mine that data to really understand sentiment, to identify key issues that make customers unhappy, 
to identifying knowledge gaps and training opportunities for agents and identify those moments that really deserve recognition outside of metrics. With that data at our fingertips, CX leaders can now assess performance more holistically and fairly. They can proactively identify trends and customer needs and train their people in ways that really empower them to succeed, which naturally improves the experience of work, right? They can use cutting edge technology like those AI assistants that I've mentioned a few times to help agents source information and to automate repeatable tasks so that those agents can do a more rewarding job and really focus on on building customer relationships. And looking sort of beyond the direct contact center itself, they can deliver insights now to the rest of the business that help improve products and policies and services in ways that lead to more happy customers. And so I think when you do that, it leads to a less stressful and more rewarding experience for the agents dealing with those customers as well. So I think access to this data, ability to analyze this data in unprecedented ways, we're really entering into this golden age of contact center and CX technology and forward-looking organizations that that really value the customer experience and and recognize this hugely important role that agents play as maybe your most consistent frontline interaction taking place with customers on a daily basis are, are, are starting to really understand the opportunities that they have with this technology at their fingers. Makes sense. Makes sense. Because what are your views? I think, well, I mean, crystal ball? Yeah, crystal ball. Boy, I could use one. <laughs> Look, you started out the discussion by saying this is going to be a very interesting year. And I think we're at a time where a lot of what we develop now is really going to springboard us for the next uh, several years from an employee perspective. And I, I think there's three key themes. Number one is flexibility. We, we really need to think about the workforce and where they work, how they work, how much do they need to work. I think that is going to become kind of at the forefront of every discussion within every company. The second is employee wellness. I think employers will need to take more ownership of this, right? In the past, it it seemed that employers felt their responsibility kind of started and ended with, we've provided insurance. I think employers are being much more proactive now in terms of everything from mental health and wellness to physical health and nutrition. I think you're going to see more services being sponsored by employers for employees to take advantage of beyond just the medical dental insurance. And then the third, as we've talked a lot about today, is training. Employees are going to demand training. They're going to demand a career path. And if you don't give it, somebody else will. So I think those are the three key themes, flexibility, wellness, and training that are going to be top of mind for every executive and manager and every employer to then tackle the great resignation that everybody is forecasting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think I think you hit it right on the head. I think wellness is something we're seeing, you know, more and more these days, especially with with us still being kind of in the pandemic and, and as people deal with things different ways, I think mental health is, is definitely important. Just overall wellness across different segments, whether it's fitness and nutrition or again mental health or, or et cetera. I think it's it's that merge that's becoming so important for us to provide from a company standpoint and think about from a company standpoint, especially these days. Devin, what are your, what are your views? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I sort of covered my views on, on the key trends there, but if I, if I had to sort of leave you with, with my last thoughts on, 
on advice for workforce management and improving engagement. I think the bottom line for me really comes down to both the willingness and ability to listen to your employees, really understanding the key issues that are going to move the needle for them, being transparent about what you hear and acting on what you find and and, and doing so in public ways and, and doing so quickly if it's a major issue that's important to people. So I encourage companies to to one, adopt that mindset and really make it a core to their philosophy and how they operate and how they manage. And two, identify technology that helps them do that consistently and do it at scale. And I think companies that do, it's going to make a, a world of difference to their bottom line. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. Gentlemen, that was a wealth of information. Thank you so much for, for all of your insights. Before before I let you go, any, anything that each of, either of you want to share uh, that I did not ask or you want to make sure that our listeners hear? I think this was pretty comprehensive on my end. So yeah. nothing else Agreed. to add. No, this was great. Awesome. Awesome. I, I appreciate both your time and, and doing this. I know our listeners are really set up for a treat here as, as we publish this out. So thank you again for your time. And and uh, I know there's a webinar coming soon, which we'll, which we'll also announce here shortly. And hopefully the listeners can, can join in on that as well. We'll share the information here in the details for this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reborn Podcast, brought to you by Renia. For access to the latest episodes, please visit our website at brickandmortarreborn.com.